So Virginia Tech lost that UVA game, Ed, that we were talking about last week. Yeah, it was another uh, sluggish game, I guess, would be a good way to put it for the Hokies. Um, Not sure really what to attribute it to. Probably a combination of things. Uh, A bunch of guys still were, you know, within a week of coming off the COVID list. So probably getting their legs back a little bit. Uh, Combine that with the style of play that Virginia is you know very well known for and slowing the game down and making life difficult uh, you have to hit your shots if you're going to beat them and virginia tech just didn't do a good enough job of that on this first go around against virginia but you know a two-point loss um this season so far for me comes down to the two-point loss to virginia the two-point loss to xavier both of which could have gone either way to butter yep. and then the five-point loss to nc state um the day that five guys on Virginia Tech, it sounds like, came off the COVID protocols. So three really close games um, coming down to one possession or in the NC State game, some extenuating circumstances there. Um, All three losses. I think if you even have one of those, you feel a lot better about yourselves. But yeah, that Virginia game was a typical Virginia game. The pace super slow and the Hokies just didn't do a good enough job hitting open shots uh, to get out of there with a win. you have to like their chances next time around when they play in Blacksburg, but uh, definitely frustrating at this point in the year with some of the losses we do have to let one that was very winnable slip out of your fingertips like that. Yeah, I, I hate to start out the podcast not down. We're this on the Saturday Virginia Tech Hoops pod, by the way. <laughs> Mike McDaniel and Ted Williams. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the big takeaway for me with that UVA game was obviously the inability to to hit shots down the stretch, but it really felt like the entire second half, there were opportunities for Virginia Tech to really take control of the game. Uh, it was close throughout, a really ugly slugfest, but Virginia Tech had their chances between missing open shots and then simply uh, just not making the contested ones. Virginia Tech was unable to make the shots they needed to in the second half. Uh, the offense was especially poor. The last couple of minutes, I'd say two and a half, three minutes of this game, uh, it was pretty disappointing on that end of the floor, seeing how the offense performed. Uh, It wasn't really unlike the rest of the game, Ed, but when you see this issue crop up multiple times where, you know, you have a team in the Hokies unable to make clutch shots or make a big shot when they need it um, or find that guy offensively on the roster who can be the guy to take a shot in a pressure situation. When that's the obvious glaring issue with this team through 16 games, and you see that crop up in crunch time against a rival on the road, you know, one of the worst UVA teams in, oh, I don't know, at least seven or eight years, it is disappointing. makes it even more disappointing. And when you're a Virginia Tech team that needs to win all of those toss-up games right now, considering what the ACC has been and, you know, how Virginia Tech was kind of up and down in the non-conference, it's pretty disheartening. Yeah, it's really frustrating, too, because, you know, we'll compare it to the Notre Dame game, which took place right after the UVA game in a second, and you'll see some obvious differences uh, just in the box score. But um, Kevin Aluma played a really good game, like he seems to always do against Virginia. Um, he had 22 on 9 of 20 shooting, so not not bad efficiency-wise either, but just had a very good game. Um, but then, you know, there's other guys in the starting lineup, you know, coming into the year, 
there's a lot of high, high praise and high aspirations for Justin Muntz in the Himalayan. And against Virginia, they had two and six points, respectfully, in 28 minutes and 33 minutes. Uh, that's not a lot of production uh, from two of your, you know, veteran leaders who, you know, had, had you know, next-level aspirations in their own minds and, you know, elsewhere throughout the media. Um, those guys were very highly thought of, and they just didn't play well against Virginia. Mutz only took two shots. Um, you need more productivity out of him. That's about kind of been a theme in a lot of these losses is Mutt's not playing great um, and kind of just disappearing. And that showed its head again against Virginia. And then two points off the bench, um, four guys played. David Cassano only played one minute, um, which is concerning in its own right. But, you know, of the four guys who did play off the bench, two points coming in the form of a John Ojiaco dunk. Right. Um, you need more productivity off your bench if you're going to win games in this league. And so far this season, Virginia Tech just hasn't really had that. Um, they're a combination of factors. The minutes distribution against Virginia was extremely heavily pushed towards the starters, as it kind of has been all year, but um, even more so against the Cavaliers, which makes sense, you know, playing against that kind of defense. You want guys in there who have um, been around the block a few times and who can handle it. And for the most part, I think the Hokies did a good job handling it. Um, the starters combined for only nine turnovers. Um, the team had 12, but three of them came from those guys off the bench who barely played any minutes. So that shows you probably why Mike Young kept the starters in as much as he did is because those younger guys just probably aren't there yet to play against that Virginia pack line D. So um, it was a well-played game. I, I don't think Virginia Tech played bad. Um, it was a product of, you know, missing a couple shots late. I think we had a four point lead with like four minutes to go and just stopped scoring um, right. probably a little bit too much force feeding Kevin Aluma in situations down the stretch, but um, frustrating game that lost things could come back to bite us. Um, but the team played much, much better against Notre Dame uh, fine than Virginia lost. I, I think, you know, in all the losses this year, so there's a few ways that losses in college basketball can be really frustrating. It's either something different every game, or it's the same thing rearing its head over and over again. And the one thing we mentioned last week, Ed, when we recorded, was that Virginia Tech, in order to start winning more games, the answer wasn't to bench Naheem Aline. You know, we talked about how the missed distribution could be assigned a little bit differently. Uh, you know, we talked about how maybe you give some more minutes to David Ngusan or, or Darius Maddox or Sean Padula off the bench if, the offense is struggling a little bit, or if it's clear that it's not Naheem Aline's night. But the clear path for this Virginia Tech team with three fifth-year seniors in the starting lineup is for those guys to figure it out. Now, Kevin Aluma has been good offensively. He's been pretty solid all year. Um, going into that Virginia game, he was leading the ACC in points per game in league play. So, you know, 23 points per game. So he's been solid. Justin Mutz has been very up and down. Storm Murphy has been more down than up, although we'll talk about the Notre Dame game in a second. Um, this is a, a team that is loaded with bets. Even Hunter Couture and, and Naheem Aline, the other two members of the starting lineup, they've been around the block. You know, They're third-year players, and they've played a lot of college basketball. And when you look at the bench, a little bit more inexperience, right? Sean Padula, freshman, Darius Maddox, for all intents and purposes, a freshman. He didn't play much last year. Dave Ngusan played the most out of any of the three guys in the rotation on the bench. And he, you know, when you, when you look at his minutes this season, like you mentioned a couple minutes ago, a little bit disappointing. 
you know, hasn't played as much as I anticipated, hasn't contributed as much as we anticipated, given what the staff had been talking about with him. And then John Ojiako has been a guy who just hasn't consistently been in the rotation. You know, some games he'll play, some games he won't, but when he's in, he doesn't play much. So Virginia Tech's very thin on the bench, which means that the starters need to play well. And the starters have been very up and down. Hunter Couture has been very consistent. Kevin Aluma has been very good offensively for most of the year. But Mutz and Aline, especially, and Storm Murphy have not consistently contributed on the offensive end. Now let's fast forward to the Notre Dame game, right? Because we saw what happened to Virginia Tech down the stretch. And let's talk about Notre Dame, which was completely different. Hokies were trailing in the second half. They struggled to shoot the ball early in this game. They trailed by eight at halftime, 40 to 32. The Hokies were really struggling to put the ball in the basket in the first half. So it looked like just another ACC game where the Hokies were struggling to find their footing. But man, oh man, Ed, was this the Naheem Aline revenge game or what? Like we knew it was in him somewhere. And we talked about, okay, he doesn't have to go full first round, round of 64, like Florida game where I'm dropping 30 plus, but he needs to at least get back to replacement level production. I'll tell you what, eight of 10 from the field, four or five from three and 22 points is definitely a way to get back on the right track. Yeah. And we saw glimpses of it against Virginia. He hit two threes in that game. Um, those are his only points on the night, but you know, hitting open shots that he hadn't been even taking or you know, before that he would, you know, take two steps into the lane and shoot a contested mid-range jumper. And he just scored up and knocked down some shots that we've seen him hit over his career. So he saw a little bit of it against Virginia and then um, put it on full display against Notre Dame. Uh, you, yeah, you knew it was coming. Uh, he was fantastic the other night. Led the team in points. Uh, actually, no, he didn't lead the team in points. Second in points behind Justin Mutt, who we just talked about. Um, you know, those two guys, respectfully, Played really bad against Virginia, turned right around and had 24 and 22 against Notre Dame in a win. Um, shows you, the, you know, those guys need to drive this drive this car, and they did against a Notre Dame team that had been really, really good coming into the game in Blacksburg. So uh, it was a welcome sight to see with Nameline, 8 of 10, 4 of 5. Justin Mutz, 9 of 11, 1 of 1 from 3. Um, both guys played really, really well. Kev Aluma gave you his usual um, – just solid numbers, 17 and eight for him. And then Storm Murphy, you talked about, and I want to talk about him a little bit more because uh, the fan base kind of hung him out to dry early in his Virginia Tech career here. Um, and rightfully so, you know, prior to the St. Bonaventure game, he wasn't really giving you a whole lot. But I want to point to his numbers since St. Bonaventure in the five games Virginia Tech has played, including the St. Bonaventure game in Charlotte. He's had 18 and three. 8 and 4, 14 and 5, 10 and 2, 12 and 2. Um, those aren't bad numbers at all. And on the year now, he's got his average for points up to almost nine points a game with two assists a game, shooting 47% from the field. Um, that's not bad. So right. I, I think I'm hoping at least that Virginia Tech fans can get past the narrative that Storm Murphy's not giving you what we thought he was going to give you, he's given you almost what you thought he was going to give you at this point on the year average wise now. And certainly since St. Bonaventure, he has been a bright spot for this team offensively. Um, and I don't think he's been as bad defensively as we may have thought he would have been too. So just wanted to touch on that really quick. He played really good against Notre Dame, uh, four of seven from three, all of his shots came from three um, to go along with two assists, four rebounds. He did have three turnovers, but that's not a terrible number for, your primary ball handler in 33 minutes of play. 
Um, Virginia Tech looked like Virginia Tech against Notre Dame. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Um, they played, you know, slow against NC State in a loss. Um, typical Virginia grinded out game, lost. But they looked like themselves against Notre Dame. Um, you know, slower start to the game. Notre Dame came out throwing things in the basket um, every which direction. Yeah. Prentice yeah. Hub threw one off the backboard with one hand as the shot clock expired and that went in. I was like, oh, boy, it's going to be one of those nights. Um, Virginia Tech stuck around, you know, lost the first half by eight and then came out in the second half and absolutely poured it on, put up 47 in the second half to win the game by six. Um, a huge, huge, much-needed win to keep this season even remotely pointed in the right direction. They needed to have this one um, against a Notre Dame team that's been very good. So, um, yeah, the guys who coming into the year you thought you needed to produce, produced, and you won. So it's not really that surprising, and there's not really much, you know, analytical to get into here other than guys played how you thought they were going to play, and it worked out for you. So uh, definitely – Definitely a very, very happy um, Virginia Tech team. Mike Young was fired up in the locker room after the game. There's some cool videos came out from the um, men's basketball media team there, but they needed that one in the worst way and they got it. So hopefully that can right the ship as they head into a, a stretch of a lot of games. Virginia Tech is in this scenario now where they basically just need to win basically every game from here on out um, it's it sounds ridiculous but they need to win a bunch of games here coming up it's a tough yeah. stretch here ed i mean we have a north carolina game that is rescheduled uh to next monday virginia tech's got a stretch here where they have four road games in 10 days um this is a stretch now starting tomorrow night as we sit here recording on tuesday morning virginia tech plays at nc state tomorrow night so that's a, a bit of a revenge spot for the Hokies, and then they go to Boston College on Saturday at UNC next Monday before returning home to Castle next Wednesday and then playing the following weekend at Florida State. So this is a this is a tough stretch here and a stretch where Virginia Tech, you know, can hopefully pick up some some quality wins in terms of kind of what the ACC has looked like so far, at least pick up some quadrant two wins in, in terms of the net for their postseason aspirations, the net analytics, you know, of course, that the selection committee uses uh, to judge a lot of these teams, but at NC state's a must win. Can't lose that one at BC, another must win at UNC is, is especially if Virginia tech's able to win the next two at UNC next Monday turns into a gigantic game because Virginia tech, that that was a game that, you know, when originally scheduled, we had talked about how well Virginia tech had been playing going into that game. You know, Virginia tech had, had just beaten St. Bonaventure lost to Duke. And then we're going into that North Carolina game around Christmas time thinking that's a game that Virginia Tech could pick up and North Carolina is a good basketball team. And if Virginia Tech's able to get that, that quality win for the resume, that would be huge, but it's rendered almost moot. If tech can't win the next two at NC state at Boston college, those are two must win games for the Hokies. Yeah. I'm, I don't pay too much to the, you know, the net rankings and where games fall and which quadrant they fall into right now at this point in the season. I mean, as you get closer to, you know, February and whatnot, you can, I guess, look at that stuff a little bit more, but it's just all, it can all change so much um, right now. So at this point in the year, the mindset just has to be stack up wins. And in this league, you know, most years, if you stack up enough wins, they'll fall in the correct quadrant and you'll get where you want to be. Um, so you're totally right. They just need to win these games. 
Um, NC State's obviously very winnable. I think if Virginia Tech wasn't off of a COVID pause, they win that game uh, last week in Blacksburg. So go down to NC State and get a win. Um, very, very needed. And then at Boston College, Boston College is, a, you know, they're an okay team. You know, they're not very good. Virginia Tech needs to win that game as well um, before you head to Chapel Hill. And then, you know, after Chapel Hill, you know, there's some of the more sleepy ACC teams, but, you know, it's the ACC. There's still talent every on every roster. I mean, Miami, I guess, is not sleepy, but they're they're a surprise and they're very good. Definitely. Um, they, they beat Duke and Durham. They've had a really good year so far. Um, we'll see if you know that can continue or if Virginia Tech can catch them in, in Blacksburg and get what would be, I guess, probably a Q1 win. Um, yeah, there's a lot of games still on the schedule and a lot of winnable ones out there. Um, you know, you look at the rest of the schedule, Miami's a good team. Florida State's talented, but they're probably a little bit underwhelming for what people thought they would have been. Uh, Georgia Tech's winnable. Both pit games back-to-back in a two-day span are very winnable. Syracuse, you know, that zone presented some problems. Virginia, again, we saw that the Hokies are more than capable of beating that Virginia team. Uh, Then you got Carolina and Blacksburg, Georgia Tech, Miami, Louisville, and Clemson. I see no reason Virginia Tech can't win, you know, nine of the remaining 15 games. And I think if you do something like that, you're probably right in position to be where you want to be may need to win one in the ACC tournament, but you know, the way the schedule lays out, we got the hard ones out of the way. We only had to play Duke once. Um, there's, there's enough winnable games on this schedule where this team can get to where they want to be still, despite a horrendous start to ACC play. Um, it's pretty amazing to say that, but the league is just kind of average right now. And Virginia Tech has enough guys who are above average, and I think they can get to where they want to be. Um, it does make life very difficult when, you're only playing five guys. Um, and I know it's not what the fans want. The fans are screaming for more guys to get minutes. But if you really just you know, next time you see Darius Max on the floor, please just put your eyes on him and watch him the entire time he's in. It won't be that long, but watch him the entire time he's in. He gets a little lost. Uh, he's a little unsure of himself. Does he make open shots? Absolutely. But it's the other things that he's just not quite there yet. Uh, same with Sean Padula. David Gasson, his lack of minutes to me is super frustrating because we heard so much about him going into the year, and it just hasn't come to fruition at all. Um, I would love to find a way to get him more minutes because I think he does have a skill set, especially in the defensive end, that can help this team in ACC play. But in general, I mean, it's going to be these five guys. It's going to be Aline, Couture, Aluma, Mutz, and Storm. And are those five good enough to win you nine of the next 15? Um I think they are, but, you know, we'll see which Nehemi Lean we get. We'll see which Justin Mutz we get, and that'll kind of determine how this is going to play out. But I don't think we can bury this team yet. I think that Notre Dame game put some win in the sails, and we'll see how it goes moving forward. But you're absolutely right. you got to win these next two before you head down to Chapel Hill. I mean, it's it's pretty silly because Virginia Tech beat Notre Dame over the weekend and updated bracketology has the Hokies in the first four out. So, you know. The folks on social media dooming Virginia Tech season when Tech's played poorly to date and they're squarely on the bubble seems silly to me. Like if Virginia Tech can start winning some of these upcoming ACC games and starts playing similarly to how they played against Notre Dame, especially in the second half offensively, 
I mean, I, I don't see any reason why this team still can't make the tournament. Maybe you're not as high of a seed as you would have liked, or maybe you don't finish top five in the ACC. Um, but at the same time, like I, I do feel like having said that Virginia tech will need a top five or six finish in the conference to even be in the conversation, given how the conference has been today, but there's so much basketball left in ACC play at like, you look at the schedule with the postponements and everything else. I mean, there is a ton of basketball left here uh, in, in conference play. And yeah, it hasn't been the greatest start for the ACC, but, you know, Florida State has been finding their footing a little bit lately, you know, um, especially beating Miami last week. That's obviously a gigantic win given how well the Hurricanes have been playing, like you mentioned. North Carolina is a good team, Duke's a good team. I mean, right now, Jill and Artie has four ACC teams in the tournament, and that's not counting Virginia Tech on the bubble. Um, Wake Forest is a team that's that's looking like they could potentially make a run and get themselves into a tournament as well. Florida State's currently out of the field in, in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. So there's a lot to consider here. I mean, I still think it's it's certainly possible that the ACC could get six or seven teams in. Like, I don't think it's that, that far out of the realm of possibility, um, especially as you look at now they're – are four teams in and, and two sitting outside, outside, but just outside with Virginia tech as the first four out and Florida state in the next four out. So there's just so much basketball left at like, I have a hard time dooming Virginia tech because they didn't have the greatest start in conference play when there's so much basketball left in front of them. I, th I think folks spelling the end of the Hokies after they started zero and four in conference play. I mean, I get the concern, the, the bigger concern for me in, in terms of the tournament is that Virginia Tech's not playing well, right? Like that, that's the bigger concern. There's so much basketball left that if Tech just kind of got it together and started playing a bit better, I think the rest kind of takes care of itself with, with how much basketball there is left. And I think the Hokies are still in, are still in a decent spot to, to get to where they want to go. Uh, but it comes with continuing to defend. It comes with Naheem Aline not necessarily scoring like 22 points on 80% shooting, but maybe contributing 15 points a game. Because you look at this Notre Dame game, Ed, like Naheem Aline was awesome and he had 22 points. Justin Mutz, obviously really good. We didn't really talk about that in too much detail, but Mutz was really good in the Notre Dame game as well. And then Storm Murphy obviously hits big shots down the stretch, but Hunter Couture only had one point in that Notre Dame yeah. game. I mean, he was only 0 of 3 shooting. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were just leaving the Hemaline open, which was probably Notre Dame's plan. They're like, Aline can't shoot, so we'll just leave him open. And the thing is, Aline can shoot, and he's just gone through a historically cold stretch to open conference play. But there were some glimpses. Uh, there, there were some glimpses last week in that UVA game, and then Notre Dame obviously came out of his shell and, and shot the ball like we know he's capable of. Yeah, if Virginia Tech can get into that fifth or sixth place in the ACC, um, I think they get in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if they'll be a great seed, but I don't really know that it matters too much either way. Um, when the games are in front of you and that you're supposed to win, and you'll get in, it'll, it, everything will take care of itself. Um, the bigger concern for me is how thin the margin for error is with this team. Yeah. Um, due to both the amount of guys that are playing, which is five, and the amount of losses that you had to start the ACC play, it's really thin margins for the rest of the way, but something that they're more than capable of doing. Um, yeah, we didn't really talk about Mutz too much, but he finally played with that chip on his shoulder that he usually plays with, that he had had early in the year. Um, and then it just kind of seemed like he was in a lull there for a little while in a few of those losses. And 
he had he was the spark that the, that this team needs the other night. Uh, he had an awesome putback dunk late in the second half. Um, fire always firing up the crowd. So uh, they need more of that from Justin Mutz moving forward. And you're totally right. Uh, you're not going to get 20 a game on 80% shooting from Moline, but you know most nights you're not going to get one from Couture either. So those five guys are good enough to get you into postseason play. Um, I think at this point in the year, it, it's really hard to expect anything more than what we've seen from the bench. So, you know, we're riding with those five and can they get in? We'll see. But um, I think there's more than enough talent on those five guys to get into the NCAA tournament, but it comes down to, we can't really have any injuries and you got to win all the games in front of you that are, you're supposed to win. Uh, you do those two things. And I think you're probably where you want to be at the end of the day, but a uh, tough start made, made for a really tough finish. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think we might need to adjust our thinking in terms of kind of what Virginia Tech is come tournament time. I think you and I both thought a, a Sweet 16 run was within the realm of possibility, but now kind of the way I've seen this roster play so far anyway, um, and the lack of depth coming off the bench uh, consistently, I think that leads to a little bit of a concern as far as kind of what matchups in the tournament would be more problematic versus kind of what we thought at the outset of the year. Um, so I, I think I'm tempering my expectations. How could you not with how the team's played? But I, I think even if Tech does make a run, you know, make top five or six in the ACC, it does make me wonder how capable they'll be as far as making a run come tournament time, but Hey, maybe I'll feel different about that. If Virginia tech does play well enough to get themselves in the top five or six in the conference, you know, maybe I'll be feeling better about the state of things. I'm sure I will be um, at that point in time, but Ed, before we wrap it up here, what's the big thing you'll be taking a look at, you know, big overarching theme over the next three games. Cause we'll probably record next week um, right after that North Carolina game on Monday is probably the next time we'll record. So over the next three games here, at NC State, at BC, and on the road at North Carolina. What, what's a big theme you'll be looking for? Consistency in terms of Nehemelin and Justin Mutz um, to go along with a balanced offensive attack. Uh, this team, especially on the road, has a tendency to fall into a live by the three, die by the three. Um, and they are a much better team when they're playing inside out, playing through Justin Mutz and playing through Kevin Aluma. So um, if you continue to get you know, decent production from Aline and Mutz and combine that with playing a more balanced offensive style of basketball. I think this team can get out of this three-game stretch with at least two wins. Um, and if they do that, I think you have to feel pretty good about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of depends on which two. I, I think Tech really needs that UNC game. I, I, I would like to see that's kind of like a nice to have, but I think Tech really needs to beat NC State and Boston College. Like, it... <laughs> I, especially, especially BC, like I, BC from a conference record standpoint is, is, you know, two and three NC state's two and five. I think NC state might be the better team than Boston college though, just kind of based off of what I've seen. I, I think I'll feel worse coming out of this stretch. If tech were to find a way to lose to Boston college and, and beat NC state in the rematch, I think that's probably more likely that they don't drop both to NC state. I just wonder how that BC game is going to look, but I don't know how I'll feel if they go two and one with one of those losses being either Boston College or NC State. We'll see. Yeah, two and one either way. I'm happy. If you lose to Carolina in Chapel Hill, you got a chance to beat them at home in a few weeks. So yep. either way, I don't think you can go into a year counting on two wins against the Tar Heels. So no, no, um, no, definitely not. Especially it'll take 
The first one's on we'll the take road. two out of the three. Two out of the three on the road um, in a short, you know, condensed stretch. I'll take two out of the three for this team, and I'll feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I mean, if Virginia Tech enters this five-game stretch, comes out of it with a winning record with four of the next five on the road, I, I think we'll be feeling pretty good about where this team stands going into the, the home stretch of conference play. Yep. Ed, good stuff. We'll talk next week.